0: this is Fair Ozbeck. Welcome to Military Law and Life Matters, the podcast that arms you with knowledge so you don't become a victim of injustice. So welcome back this week again. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, <clears throat> as I said, I'm going to be talking about cases from the boards of the Review Reading Rooms, and I put the link for that last time, last week's episode, so you can check that out yourself and look at some cases if you want to kind of get an idea of what these boards do um, some of the write-ups actually are not that good. Um, some of them are a little bit better, but um, today I'm excited. I have a really neat case to talk about. Um, it's an army case and it's got some errors in it actually in the processing of it while the this poor guy was in the army. But um, yeah, so I'm going to talk about that and I'm drinking, I don't know if you guys, I actually drink like decaf coffee, but today I got like a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I really like that. I don't care for Starbucks that much. I usually just make my own coffee, but, um, Dunkin' Donuts, I seem to really like their coffee. They they have a nice little taste to it, but, um, I try to stay away from sugars, but I, when I go to Dunkin' Donuts, those donuts, (laughs) they like melt in your mouth and they're terrible for you. Like the sugar, it's really bad. But instead of getting a big donut, I asked for two little blueberry munchkins. I thought, okay, not a big donut. I'm just going to get the munchkin. And, I will tell you so the guy you know i wasn't watching what he was doing but he gave me the bag and the coffee and when i went to the car i noticed there was like six of them in there so i only paid for two but what a delight like i was so happy that i got free munchkins i know that sounds silly because it probably doesn't cost that much but just the fact that the guy like took the effort to like surprise me and those it's those little like delights that you get in life little surprises i think are are a lot of fun. So I didn't eat all six of them. I did eat two and they really melt in your mouth. So delicious once in a while. Um, not a habit type of thing, but once in a while it's fun. So that was my fun story for today. A little surprises in life. So let me talk about this case. Um, it's an army case. Um, and this guy was obviously, um, discharged from the army and he was a staff Sergeant. He had served 11 years. Okay. I'm. um, they don't list his name, of course. So was, I'm just going to call him Sergeant Jones for this. Okay. So Sergeant Jones served in the army for 11 years, but guess what? Out of that 11 years, um, he was deployed to Iraq in 2006 for four months. That was like I think a surge time, he was then deployed to Afghanistan twice. Once for a year, 2012 to 13, and then another time for six months in 2014 to Afghanistan. So a good like two years of his career was deployed in a combat zone. So this poor guy, Sergeant Jones, um, developed based on you know his deployments. He actually in his medical records, his military medical records, it talks about his diagnoses. He actually had alcohol dependence. PTSD, he had uh, depressive disorder. Um, and it says alcohol abuse, alcohol dependence, and then sleep disorder, which, you know, that insomnia type thing that you get with like the PTSD. So he had a lot of stuff going on. But Sergeant Jones, you know, based on his alcohol dependence, unfortunately, he was at the station in Alaska. He got two DUIs. Okay. So no injuries, which is good. So if he, like, God forbid, killed someone or injured someone, He would have been probably court-martialed, prosecuted, et cetera. There were no injuries. Thank God he was stopped and, you know, he got the two DUIs. But again, facts are important. There were no injuries in the case. And then he also showed up for work drunk on duty. So it's very obvious he's got alcohol issues. These things just don't develop. People develop these dependencies based on, I mean, as I always say, it's it's, uh, self-medication. You know, these type of things, drugs. You know, if you're abusing alcohol, it's self-medication. People don't do it just to like get high. It's it's you're medicating due to whatever's going on. So this uh sergeant Jones, you know, had these two DUIs, then he had he got like the Gomar General Officer memor memorandum for that, two of them, and then he got an article 15 for the drunk on duty. Okay, so Sergeant Jones, this is what's happening. And, you know, based on the fact that he had such a great record, he was deployed so long his commander knew him like this guy did great work even before, before he deployed, he had really good uh, duty performance. So his commander recommended, okay, we're going to discharge you because we can't have you like getting DUIs all the time, but I'm going to recommend you get a general under honorable conditions. That's what he recommended. So the, uh, the person, when you're in the service, you could say, okay, I will accept a general. So I will accept to be discharged. I won't go to an administrative discharge board. I will waive my right to a discharge board. If I get no less, no worse than a general, what's worse than a general other than honorable. Okay. So the rule is in all the services, um, I haven't checked like every one of them lately, but it's generally if you're an NCO, right? Like a staff sergeant, you know, the equivalent of an NCO, or if you have six or more years of service, if you are being discharged, you have a right to appear before an administrative discharge board. Okay. So you, you get assigned an attorney. So when I was a defense counsel, not only did I represent people before a courts martial, but I represented them before discharge board. So if they're, you're just being kicked out, you're, you're being fired. You're not going to go to jail. You're not going to like get a BCD, but you're going to, be kicked out, but when you're kicked out of the military, that's where you get that D two fourteen, and it could say gen- honorable general or other than honorable. So Sergeant Jones, he's like, okay, I'll you know I'll agree to. Accept that I'm not going to fight this at a discharge board, as long as you don't give me more, worse than a general. So you could sign paperwork, like putting that in there. Um, And he basically, you know, signed that, but shockingly, I say shockingly because the convening authority, like the the separation authority, whoever he or she was at that time, I, I don't know what level that would have been for the army, the person rejected it and said, no, that's no, no, I'm going to go. You you need to get an OTH. You should get an, uh, that's what that means. If they reject it, you should get an other than audible discharge. So this poor guy, um, you know, I thought it would be very reasonable for him in general, like based on everything in his case, but no, they said, you're going to a board. And he went to the board and the board, you know, maybe they were following the direction of the separation authority who wrote their ticket or wrote their, you know, promotion recommendations. I don't know. I'm just saying that kind of, if I was like, if it's defense counsel, I'd be like arguing stuff like that. How could these people be fair? But anyway, they recommended, um, he be discharged with an other than honorable conditions discharge. So, okay. They decided that, but what's very perplexing, which, you know, looking back, of course, hindsight is 20, twenty I'm looking at everything. So when he was discharged, it was actually, um, which year, um, let me look at the year he was discharged. Actually, I think it was 2000. Oh, geez. I'm sorry that I'm wasting time here. I'm trying to figure out which year he was. Basically he was being discharged sometime in 2015. Yeah it was like October, 2015. I point this out because at that time there was something called the Hagel memo in existence. Now what's the Hagel memo? It's one of those DOD letters. He was then the secretary of defense, secretary Hagel. And then, you know, I know you know the name. Now, he actually served in Vietnam, so he was very sympathetic. He served there and realized, I'm sure many of his buddies got PTSD. So he put out a memo saying, you know, we really didn't look at this stuff a lot, but, you know, there's a lot of Vietnam-era veterans who have PTSD and, and others. Now, this is not just about Vietnam veterans, but it talked about, you know, liberal, this is the first time that liberal consideration stuff came out. That memo came out in September 2014, where he said, you know, in cases where there's like a PTSD or PTSD related condition that existed at the time of this misconduct, for example, with Sergeant Jones, his DUIs, and he did have PTSD because, you know, again, the timing, the DUIs occurred after his deployments. So if someone has that, it says, you know, please look at these cases and see if there's like a nexus and, you know, you can be, it, it doesn't direct them to upgrade discharges, but it says, you know, look at that and to see if they had a factor, if you know, weigh that against the severity of the misconduct. So I say this because, okay, that does not apply to active duty members, but I would say it does, because if I were his defense counsel, I would have hopefully known about that memo. I, I would have taken that memo and say, Hey, board members, look, what the secretary of defense said. You know, it's it's talking about you need to be liberal in considering these cases and upgrading. Consider that if there's a relationship between the misconduct in this case, oh my God, 100%, right? You get a DUI, it's because you're drinking. You're why you're drinking? You're self-medicating. It's no no different than the you know veterans who are self-medicating with marijuana who never used it before. So this would have been a key piece of evidence that I would have. Now I don't know what his counsel did. Again you're entitled the beauty of the system. You're entitled defense counsel. I had a lot of discharge cases, um, in the air, when I was in the air force, I get, I love that job. My first client, I, I always say this, my first client I ever had as a defense counsel when I was in the air force, I was a captain at the time. And actually I was like eight months pregnant, believe it or not, with my first child, my first son, eight months pregnant. My first client, actually, they were discharging him for being overweight, like, you know, that he was, not meeting the fitness standards. And I was like there in my uniform you had those like smart, like jumper type things. I think I had, um, you know, that's what we wore when you're pregnant. Cause I, I was literally almost going to have the baby very soon, but my first case. So that was my first ever case of the defense count. I'll never forget. I was so happy. They retained him. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a great case. Cause he had like a, this army general come and testify for him and say, you know, there's regulations that say stuff, you know, it says you must do the X, Y, and Z, but guess what? Regulations can be waived in certain certain, anyway, he was a great witness. So a little tangent, I remembered my first case. I'll never forget that. Um, yeah, he was retained and he got to retire, but going back to Sergeant Jones. So Sergeant Jones, um, yeah, that Hagel memo existed and, they, and like, Again, so if I were the staff judge advocate, right, the the lawyer, the head lawyer, like the general counsel for that separation authority, I would have advised him like, hey, you know, sir, ma'am, general, whatever. I would have said, look, there's something called the Hegel memo. And they're really trying to, you know, the secretary of defense is saying, you know, if someone has PTSD, you really should look at that and, you know, consider if the offense is related to PTSD, it might be reasonable to waive, you know, allow him to accept that waiver. Right. I would have hundred percent recommended that. And I would think it would have been foolish to do otherwise, but you know, again, I don't know what the Jag recommended. I don't know in this case, you know, maybe the general, like there was a lot of DUIs and he's like, Nope. I mean, I'm not going to tolerate this. There's too many DUIs happening in Alaska, whatever. So Anyway, they didn't. He went to the board. He got the OTH. This guy's discharged, right? Now he has an OTH. He's branded like OTH. You don't get VA. So this guy has all these conditions, right? Pete, You don't even get VA benefits, which you would be entitled to if you have PTSD and all the other stuff he has. Um, He doesn't get that, but he never gives up. So what he does is he's like going to school he, he somehow is going to school he's getting a degree like part-time in business then he hooks up with some organization called first step where they treat people with drug and alcohol addictions so because he was in their position he maybe he got treatment there I don't know he you know he got to know them and they liked him and they gave him a full-time job where he's now helping I don't I don't think there was any relationship between like it wasn't just for veterans it was just people who are you know some of them could have been veterans so he's doing that and he's helping his fe- fellow veterans etc i mean uh fellow people who were addicted to substances including alcohol so he's doing really well so he now sergeant jones um now I, at some point he's like wow i really want to get my discharge upgraded so he applies to the board i think he applied in in 2018 so the key is he applied now after, in last week's episode, I talk about that lawsuit, right? Kennedy versus uh, McCarthy, I think it was. That was filed actually in, um, that lawsuit was in, which year was that? That was in 2016. Okay. So that lawsuit was already pending. So the Army hope you know would have known about that. These boards would know about it. So after that, maybe, I don't know if they were a little bit more sensitive to this um, you know, the Hegel memo, et cetera. So there may be, and also by 2018, um, when they got the application, the CURTA memo came out, the Curda memo that expands on the Hegel memo is very, very specific. And as the factors of, you know, again, the nexus between misconduct and PTSD. And if there's a nexus, you know, that may mitigate, you know, and, you know, out, and outweigh the misconduct. So that existed. But this board, wow, like they um, at that point, I think it it was, yeah, they had five members on the board before the law changed. So the board basically said, yep, not only we're going to upgrade it to a, they upgraded to a fully honorable, fully honorable discharge. And what they said, it was based on, they said it was inequitable based on his length of service, which was 11 years based on his combat service. I told you it was almost like it was over two years, based on his mental health conditions, the PTSD, the the other um, depressive disorder, adjustment disorder, everything. So they said, based on all that, we're recommending upgrading it to a fully honorable. And they also changed the narrative reason. Now, this write-up actually was not the best write-up because it doesn't even say what, what he was, what his discharge, what, as far as the narrative reason. I, I'm assuming it was like pattern of misconduct or something. Well, they changed it to minor infraction. So it doesn't sound as bad. So if he's trying to get a job, it's not going to say like serious misconduct. So they did that. So this guy got a, you know, he, but you know what? He should have, it wasted a lot of this guy's time. Like he should have, when he was, in my opinion, my he, the right thing would have been based on, again, there was guidance that would have helped the commander support the decision, the Hegel memo, Right. Was in existence at the time, and it could have been like, okay, this guy's not a bad guy, he served his country, he was in you know combat zone, there was a nexus, he's not like a criminal going cheating, stealing, exalting people, he's a damn hurting himself because of a self mitigation. He, you know, he should have got a general at that time, but you know, he had to wait now, like five years before, um, you know, any. He didn't give up. Right. So the main thing he did not give up, he applied and, you know, he was rewarded for his perseverance is not giving up and his application. Um, he didn't go to a board. He just did this, a document review. It doesn't say if he had an attorney or not, but again, yeah, it doesn't say that. Um, maybe he didn't, but the beauty of this thing is like, I'm explaining this stuff. So you could put your own package together. You don't necessarily to have to get an attorney unless you just don't want to deal with it. Actually, a lot of people I've helped with PTSD don't like they don't even they have a hard time even like gathering up their documents. It's just a traumatic experience when you're like reliving, looking at pictures. So it's sometimes, you know, difficult because just like getting stuff I need from them sometimes is difficult. That's not necessarily their fault. It's just really difficult. So anyway, his discharge was upgraded. So it was it was good. Again, it was, I think, messed up the processing of this thing. Um because, you know, yeah, the member, you know, again, if I were the SJ, I would have told the, the commander, like, I really think you should accept his waiver. Um, again, you know, I don't know. It was, it could have been, there was all these do Lies he was trying to send a message, but you know, I always say when I advise people that if there's something you could re- put your hat on. So if you're giving advice to a commander and you say, well, Okay, if someone calls you on it later and say, "Well, that's not fair. You gave Sergeant Jones a general, and then you give all these other people an OTH," yeah, I mean, say people could say you're unfair. But I always used to advise, you know, people that I advise, like commanders, as long as there's a reason, a reasonable, rational basis for your decision, then it's okay. Like, what would be the rational basis? Yeah, Congressman. Smith, like I know, you know, this guy's complaining because Sergeant go- Jones had gotten a on- general discharge and these other people would do as go OTH. But guess what? There's something called the Hegel memo and it says liberal consideration. And based on that, and based on all the facts of the case, I decided to accept his conditional waiver for a general. Like there's something to base it on. You're not doing it because you just know him personally and like Sergeant Joe's. You're not doing it because you're like playing favorites. You're not doing because, you know, he happened to live on the same block as you. Because you can't do that. You have to be, you know, fair to everyone. But this is it. Like you always, I always say like when you make a decision, you blame it on something. You, you can blame it on a document, like blame it on the law. Like the law gave me that authority to make the decision. Blame it on, you know, whatever the regulation here when I say blame it on like that's if I was writing a response for my commander to the congressman who's saying, hey, General Smith, you know, you're being unfair to your members. I would say, OK, I would as the lawyer, you know, help draft the response and say, well, like there's something called the Hankel memo. So anyway, I'm kind of going to some other things, but I think it's kind of relevant to know. That I I just thought it was like such a poor decision again second guessing them here <laughs> but um um yeah so I think they made the I definitely think they made the right decision that was really good I was happy to see that um, this guy now you know he's helping people with these addictions and he's doing really good um, wh- one thing I wanted to point out really quickly about this case because I talked about it uh, in my last podcast just again because this is a concept that gets confusing you know, when we talk about, um, post-service conduct, and I I think I was talking about last time saying like post-service conduct, I always tell my clients, yeah, get, you know, get character letters, get stuff about what you're doing. Like this guy, Sergeant Jones, he submitted something saying, you know, he works for this first step and helping people recover with addictions. Well, that's not like the thing that's going to make your case. Like I just, unless it's a clemency is a separate case where you're just specifically trying to Like, you got like a court martial convict, like, you're just like basing it on clemency. And that usually applies to the Board for Correction of Military Records. For the discharge review boards, it's not like the be all. Like, that's not why they're going to. And this is what they actually have in their write up, which might help you a little bit. It says there's no law or regulation which provides that unfavorable discharge may be upgraded based solely on the passage of time and good conduct in civilian life subsequent to leaving service. Okay. It can't be solely. But it says, outstanding post-service conduct to the extent such matters provides a basis for a more thorough understanding of the applicant's performance. Good conduct during the period of service under review is considered during board proceedings. The board reviews such discharge on a case-by-case basis to determine if post-service accomplishments help demonstrate previous in-service misconduct was an aberration and not an indicative of his overall character. So that's a very clear explanation. So it's saying, you know, again, this guy Sergeant Jones, he's like going trying to better himself, he's getting a degree in business, getting, you know, help himself for his you know, addiction past addictions and he's um yeah, so he mentions that. So that shows this guy again for 11 years he served not only in Iraq and Afghanistan, but he did very well for the 11 years, other than, of course, the DUIs and the drunk on duty. So it shows his character really. And it's like, yeah, this guy was a good guy. Like um, other than him, if he never went to Iraq and Afghanistan, he'd probably be retired today. You know, who knows? He would have, you know, been a, you know, master sergeant, senior master sergeant, chief master sergeant, I forget actually in the, um, uh, yeah, the equivalent of in the army. So yeah, that's this case. So, uh, very interesting. I hope that kind of gives you some thoughts about how these things work. So there, you know, I think there was an error in the processing of it, but the board did upgrade it based on the PTSD and applying the Hegel and like the Curtin memo, which they cited. So that's that for this case. And I'm going to just quickly, um, yeah, I'm going a little bit longer today, but, uh, let me just quickly go over a little life matter part of my podcast that I think it's a really good one. Um, that you can apply to your life? I mean, I do. So there's a guy named Scott Adams. He's written some books. You can Google him. He's written some really good books that I've enjoyed, but he, he wrote something one time. He said, you know, rather than trying to have a goal, like I'm gonna, i just make an example. I'm gonna like lose, I don't know, 20 pounds like rather than have a goal like that, it's better to have a system, like a system meaning, well, I'm going to, you know, not eat Dunkin' Donuts, um, donuts every day, the donuts, the, I'm not gonna, I'm going to actually, I'm not going to eat sugar and things like that. And I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to exercise for, you know, an hour each day, like have a system in your life that becomes something you do. And then you could, you know, slowly monitor your weight and your body fat and stuff like that. But don't be like, I'm just going to like, you know, cram and go on this like diet where you, you know, starve yourself. No, don't do that. Have a system like improve, like change your eating habits. If you're eating donuts every day or putting like tons of sugar in your coffee, change those things and have a, a thing where I'm going to exercise every day or every other day, whatever it is that you're going to do, but have a consistent system. And when you do that, first of all, that system then becomes a habit. And of course that's going to help you reach your goal. So don't focus on that goal. Cause then you'll be like weighing yourself every day and be like, Oh my God, I didn't lose the weight. No, you're going to be miserable. So have a system. And, and it's wonderful because you have a system, then it becomes a habit. And when it's a habit, it's like, if you don't do it, it's like brushing your teeth. You're like, Oh my God, I'm missing something. Right. So, um, I really think that's good. Or like, just as an example, like I want to, um, read 10 books this month. Well, why put pressure on, I have to read 10 books more. Why don't you just say, I'm going to, you know, between eight and nine, read an hour every day. And you you don't have to put pressure on how many books you like. You might read one book that month, but it could be like a 500 page book. Um, it just, and, and when you do that and you enjoy it, it becomes a habit. So I think it's a great way to look at things like don't focus on goals, like focus on the system that will help you help you reach your goal. So, I thought it's a good one. Yeah. Google him. He's got some really good books. I I read a lot. Most of them, Scott Adams. Um, that's it. So I hope that was helpful. I really enjoyed passing this on to you. Um, and you could, you know, give me like some feedback on, well, like could you talk about this part of the case? Not that part of the case is more helpful. So feel free to do that through an email or you could on this little anchor app. It's pretty cool. You could like send a little voicemail thing, um, you don't have to like leave your real name or anything. And I'd be happy to answer because I want to do what's helpful for you. I'm just going over these cases and I'm, you know, analyzing it, putting on my hat as a, wow. If I was like the JAG at the base, you know, the one who was in charge of discharging someone that I'm looking at the hat of, oh, I was at the discharge review board because uh, I used to work there in the air force. What would I have done? Yeah. I would have upgraded it, you know, to an honorable general. I de- definitely would have been upgraded. So, um, Yeah. So I hope this was helpful. And Hey, as I always say, never, ever give up because there is always hope. Talk to you next time. Take care.